0: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. And right now we want to ask you the question of the day, which is brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. Is it time for a name change for Bishop Grandin Boulevard and Bishop Grandin Greenway? Yes or no? Cast your vote at cjob.com. We'll put that out on Twitter as well at 680cjob. And this ties into the horrific discovery of 215 Indigenous children's remains at a former residential school in British Columbia, which has sparked mourning and is sending shockwaves across the country.
1: And it's also having so many people say, well, what do we do with this information? Where do we take this? Where should we go next? How do we learn more, learn better, talk to our kids about this? And and what do we do, Greg, to reconcile this part of Canada's history? Just so many things to be done following this discovery.
2: Yeah, our good friend, author David Robertson, joins us now. Good morning, David. David, David are you there? there? Yeah, I'm here. Hi. Hey, sorry, David. David. Uh, I'm speaking Hi. in hushed tones here. Uh, probably not the best thing on radio. Uh, we shared a couple of uh, text messages yesterday about whether or not you'd be willing to speak with us this morning and whether you're, you know, emotionally uh, in that place where you could speak publicly about it. To, and, you know, I just want to know, how are you managing all this and, and how are you doing? Well, thanks for asking. I mean, it's been,
3: obviously it's been a hard few days. Um, you know, my grandmother was a residential school survivor. Um, I've had the uh, honor of knowing um and working with uh, many survivors uh, and, you know, people whose family who are, whose family members did not survive. And, you know, it's been a, it's been a hard few days, Um, but, you know, I think at the same time um, in, 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 in knowing uh, what has happened and, in having it, um, you know, widely shared uh, as it has been, um, I think, I hope that it, it, it c- creates uh, a motivation to mobilize people and to work towards um, to work towards change. Um, you know I think that um, this is this is finally a time where people realize um, that this was a genocidal system and um, if we recognize that truth, then we can move forward in a better way um, as, as painful as it is.
1: Why is it so important, David, that the use, it, and it should be used, it should be said, genocide, and yet there still, still seems to be a real sticking point with that term for some people. Why, why is it important that we now move forward with that word applying to our, the residential school system?
3: Well, because it's the truth. You know, mm-hmm. I think that um, if, we, if we call it anything else, we are not honoring the children who survived the school system and the children who did not survive. Um, you know, we we have to we have to if we're gonna move forward in a good way, if we're gonna find ways to to work through this and heal, um, we also we have to accept the system for what it was. Um we have to learn about it. We have to become articulate in it. We have to understand that we all have a role because it's not indigenous history, it's Canadian history. It's a part of um what shaped this country. And because of that uh, we have to acknowledge what it, what it was, what it is. And in doing so, um, I feel like we're better positioned to to really work through this together um, and to really come together to find solutions as a community, as a larger community. Um, and that's what it's going to take um, because this um, system has had long, long-reaching effects and it will continue to do so. The last school closed down in 1996. Um, my dad used to say that uh, trauma, uh, you know, healing takes as long as the trauma lasted for. So, you know, the, the, the school system opened in the, you know, within in the 19th century, it's going to take a long time. But if we don't start now, um, this is something that we're going to be doing for even longer. And, um, and so we definitely need to accept the system for what it was and books help. Um, there's no, there's no excuse right now not to know the history um, it's there for us. We just have to have the will to learn.
0: David, you tweeted in recent days, do more than tweet about the news that has come to light in this country. What's your role in working towards reconciliation? What, why, what prompted you to, to speak on that, uh, to, to tell people, do more than just tweet?
3: Well, I was listening to an elder this morning, and you know, one of the things that I heard was that We can we read we can read books we can listen which we should Um, we can do all those things we can tweet you know we can we can um, share posts on Instagram but at some point we need action you know and um, and figuring out what role you know we play in this pathway towards reconciliation is a very individual and intimate. Thing to decide, you know what 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 we can do, what you can do on a personal level, um, and and then what we can do on a, in a, on a community level. And so I don't know the answer to that. I think it's something that I I think it's better if people just take some time for reflection and to consider what they can do. Um, you know, from for my part, um, you know, I, I think that I have a sort of sort of a platform where I can. Um, try to do what I can to raise awareness and to advocate and to um, educate. And I feel like that's my role. Um, And so I just hope that everybody is able to take the time to figure out what their role might be, what they can do um, and to take action. You know, I think that if we sit back and let this history slide by um, in in several days, as though it's part of a news cycle, um, we're not going to get anywhere.
2: David, we've been speaking to you for years now about the value of storytelling, the value of story sharing. And I think typically when we've approached that, and maybe not always, but for the most part, it's it's been that celebratory acknowledgement of story sharing and storytelling about learning about who you are as an individual, where you come from, or maybe an overall sense of where you fit in the world. But the storytelling and the story sharing we're talking about today could be, could be, will be very deep and, and dark and could go places that Canadians, for whatever reason, you know, haven't investigated over the past or school system didn't do a very good job in the, in the past of making it part of our history. So talk about the, the book, Sugar Falls, a residential school story. You released that 10 years ago and the reaction to that book and the and and the gift that it is to you and those who read it.
3: Well, I, you know, first I would just say that there are um, so many resources being written right now by Indigenous creators who have lived experiences in their families um, and are writing from a place of truth. So I, I guess that First, I just don't want to make it about me. There's lots of books out there. Um, but Sugar Falls is one of them. And um, it was one of the first graphic novels that was written about residential schools uh, 10 years ago, along with Seven Generations and, and some other work for the he- a Healthy Aboriginal Network. Um, and it's a story that educates through the comic form, um, which is a way in which we can engage uh, youth uh, and help them to retain more information. Um, and to generate empathy um, is a story that talks about Betty Ross, and uh, who is an elder, uh, who still lives here in Winnipeg, who um, went to Crosshack Residential School and endured horrific abuses. Um, and um, after those, that experience was able to reclaim her culture, reclaim her language because of the teachings that her father gave her and her ability to um, hold on to those teachings, to help her through. Um, she was, um, lucky enough to survive her experience, but still went through trauma that took her decades to heal from. Um, and so I think it's just one resource out of many that people can, um, to, to, to read, um, to support, um, and to, to prepare themselves to have those hard conversations. You know, like even last night, my, my wife took the kids to the, um, legislature to see all the shoes that have been left on the steps um, and, you know, um, the kids had questions and we have to be prepared to answer those questions. So we can't just expect our, only our kids to learn uh, because it is being taught in schools now. We also have to learn um, because um, our kids need to know and we need to find the appropriate way to talk to them at the appropriate ages. Um, and so, books books are a big help uh, in that in that uh, in that way.
0: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, continuing now our conversation, Loren, with author David A. Robertson.
1: Yeah, we've been talking about the discovery of the remains of 215 kids at the residential school, former residential school out in B.C., and that's not only generated all sorts of talk and outrage and sadness right across this country. It's also had people talking about education and educating ourselves and educating our kids and and David and part of that is about the streets and the schools and the subway systems and the transit lines that we might have named after people from our past including Bishop Vital Justin Grandin who uh, is basically considered one of the architects of residential schools. What are your thoughts on on having that street uh, the the whole suburb of St. Vital, all the rest named in part after this man?
3: Well, I think there comes a time when you have to, you know, revisit the, the decisions that you've made in the past, um who that we who we've chosen to remember and honor and in the within the context of history, um with knowledge, um recons- reconsider and, and and change. Um, you know, I think that a question that I've asked um is that is, you know, who who we, who do we want to honor and why? You know, and um, Bishop Grandin um, was was one of the architects of the residential school system. Um, mm-hmm. He was personally responsible, I think, for the establishment of at least three of them. Mm-hmm. And um, and as we know, uh, with with the news that has come to light, and what Indigenous people have known for a long time, is that you know if this is a system of genocide, and and people have been responsible for that system. Why are we Why are we immortalizing them? Why are we honoring them? And you know, a question that I hear often is that, well, it's there to educate. You know, it's we're we're just we're just trying to educate people with them. That's not what a statue is for. That's not what naming a street after somebody is for. That's for honoring somebody. You can you can educate somebody um, about Bishop Grandin, for example, or Johnny McDonald, in a in a textbook. Um, and so I think we need to reconsider um, the naming of schools, the naming of streets, uh, the erecting of statues for people who have done um, horrific things, um, you know, and, and in this case, created a system which has led to the deaths of thousands of children. Um, and, you know, these 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 children in, in uh, British Columbia, um, these 250 children, 215 children, um, there'll be more. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are other there are other mass graves in, the, in this country and they'll be they'll be discovered. And this question will keep coming up. And I think we need to be proactive um, and make better choices. And um, we just have to have the will to do it. And I will say that, you know, I think Mayor Bowman has had a difficult job. Um, and I think he's he's doing a, He's doing pretty good um, in the last couple of days with how he's been handling this. Um, I know that he listened, and, um, and so I, I respect him for that.
0: And David, before we let you go, we only have about 90 seconds, but one of the books that you've written, one of the many books, uh, we spoke to you about it back in February for I Love to Read Month, and it was a children's book called When We Were Alone. How can that help parents wanting to teach their young kids about the experience?
3: Yeah, I mean, when we were alone was really one of the first picture books um, for early, early uh, readers about residential schools. And what it does is it enables parents and teachers to have, you know, rudimentary but important conversations about the residential school system in ways that won't traumatize them and won't scare them. Um, but that will help to lay a foundation so that they can um, build from there and learn more as they get older. Um, so I think it's an important text and... It's one of now several picture books that have been written about residential schools that um, I think every kid should read and every parent should, should buy and read to their kids, every teacher should have in their classroom. Um, and, um, and again, you know, books to me, books are one of the most important ways that we're going to get through this because stories are truth and, um, and we need to be reading these stories
0: David Robertson, joining us live on 680 CJOB. David, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, sir. We very much appreciate your insight.
3: Thank you for having me. Um, y- you know, you three are good people, and uh, I really appreciate you, uh, you having me on this morning.
0: And if you'd like to learn more about his book, When We Were Alone, we've linked the story from February, the I Love to Read Month story, uh, where David was featured and actually uh, is on camera reading some of the book. Go to our 680 CJOB Instagram. You will find that link in our story.